Welcome. My name is Dr. Jonathan Vorse, and thank you for downloading our podcast today on Working the Word. Make sure you hit that subscribe button to receive new podcasts every week. Thank you for your support at jvorse.org and enjoy the message today. your Bible, please, and turn to the book of Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. All right. I'm going to talk to you today on a subject entitled Overboard. Walking with God. Overboard. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, feed your faith and starve your doubts to death. There you go. Don't forget that. Feed your faith and starve your doubts to death. Hallelujah. Father, we just come to you right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you for the opportunity to gather together again here in the second service and declare this word yet again. I thank you for the anointing that was with us in the first service, and I'm relying heavily upon it again here in this second service. Touch the ears of the hearers to hear, their hearts to receive, and that our understanding would be enlightened. May we walk out of this place empowered and strengthened and encouraged today. We give you praise for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 36, you can read it. We're going to go through some of the scriptures here in just a few moments. But it's a familiar portion of scripture where we see Jesus walking on the water. Jesus walking on the water. And there are some key elements here that I want to share with you. I have a friend whose father used to make this statement. He said, uh, Peter was the, only, was the first person to go overboard with their faith because Peter cried out to Jesus and said, If it be you, Lord, bid me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, Come. And Peter jumped out of the boat and went toward Jesus walking on the water. So I thought that was kind of neat. So that's kind of where the title of the message came from today was Overboard. I'm going to try to encourage you today through this experience here and through, it's not just a story, but through this experience here that Jesus and Peter and the disciples had, I'm going to try to encourage you to jump into your destiny. Look at your neighbor and say, jump. Come on, jump. Uh, no, you're not doing it. You got to go jump, like jump, jump. There you go, jump, jump. All right. Well, sometimes we need to go overboard with our faith, don't we? Let's talk about the setting here before we read verses 22 through 23. Let's talk about the setting here. Jesus and the disciples had just came back from feeding the 5,000 the day before. And so obviously they were exhausted. They were tired. They were spent. Jesus had worked a miracle with five loaves and two fishes and there were miracles that were taking place and Jesus had taught all day long and the disciples had helped facilitate the ministry of Jesus all day long. So obviously they were exhausted and they were tired and so in this particular setting here, Jesus said, I'm going to go pray a while. And then he told the disciples, he said, you get in that boat there and go to the other side of the sea. And then he looked at the multitudes and he said, you go home. That's what he said there. That's what he said there. And Jesus drew away to pray. Now, here's some of the things that we can learn with this. If we don't watch it, we'll go from ministry assignment to ministry assignment to ministry assignment without replenishing our, ourselves. 
listen very closely. If Jesus, the Son of God, who had more power reverberating through his being than any human who has ever walked, still needed to pull himself away and replenish himself through prayer, then so do we. Because we're not more powerful than Jesus, we're not, more, we're not better than Jesus, we're not brighter than Jesus, we're not wiser than Jesus. If Jesus, the Son of God, had times where he said, you know what, that's enough, I need to go somewhere alone and I need to pray. If Jesus had to do that, then we need to do that too. So don't let the devil, and this is one of the battles I've faced through the years. I'm preaching from experience here. Don't let the devil throw such an urgency on you to go do the next thing while you're doing this thing without giving you the opportunity to replenish yourself between assignments. So it's important to replenish ourselves. That's number one. The second thing that I wanted to mention to you is this, that Jesus commanded the disciples to go to the other side of the sea. He told them, you get in that boat and you go to the other side of the sea. Now, how come Jesus didn't say, will you come with me? Well, sometimes those that are closest to us want to just chat instead of pray. We're going to get together and have a prayer meeting. How many times have you ever went to a prayer meeting where a prayer meeting was just a feast and people sitting around talking and the only prayer that really took place was the prayer over the dinner or the snacks? Wasn't really a prayer meeting. Well, Jesus also knew that if the disciples stayed there that the crowds would continue to throng them just like they were thronging Jesus. And so he told them, get in that boat and go to the other side. So in that way, they were able to draw away and get away from the crowd that was necessarily thronging them. Now, we'll see here in just a few moments that a big storm came up and winds were contrary and all kinds of things, and we'll glean what we can from that. But the point that I want to make is they were operating on a word from God. They got, Jesus told them, get in the boat, go to the other side of the sea. So it doesn't matter what happened. They were going to end up on the other side because they were operating on a word from God. And then Jesus turned and he looked at the multitudes and the Bible said that Jesus told the multitudes to go away. There's some people in your life that you just need to look at and say, go away. I'm not going to tell you to look at your neighbor and say, go away, but you might need to. Because there are people that empower you and there are people that drain you. Hello? I'm, I'm going I'm to preach where we're living this morning. Listen, I've been gone for two weeks. I've been kind of on vacation for about a week of that, and I'm loaded for bear this morning, so y'all are going to get it. All right? There are times when you just need to look at people and you need to say to them, you know what? I love you, but leave. Right? Well, I can't do that. They're my family. Sometimes those are the ones that you need to tell that to. That's right, that's right. So Jesus told the multitudes, he said, listen, and in his mind, and I just want to kind of paint this picture, so we're saying, well, here's people that Jesus has healed, people that Jesus has ministered to, people that Jesus created a, a miracle to feed them and all this kind of stuff. Naturally, they're going to want to hang around and see what else is going to happen. Naturally, they just want to get close to Jesus. But I want to tell you something, especially those of you that are in ministry, one of the greatest mistakes that you can make in leading people is getting so close that you just become one of the boys. There comes a time when you need to look at the multitude and say, I need some time alone with God. 
I love Donna more than anything in the world, more than any woman that's ever walked. I love her, but there are times when I look at her and I say, leave me alone. And the first five years of our marriage, that didn't work very well. But as time went on, she understands that there are times when I just have to have my alone time. There are multitudes of people. The enemy, the devil will keep you busy just catering to people to try to keep you off of your knees, to try to keep you out of your prayer closet. And so you got to be very careful that the relationships that you have with the people that are around you, especially people that you are ministering to, you got to be, be very careful that there are healthy boundaries that are set up and respected. That's very important. Because if you let them keep crossing the boundaries, then you're going to live your life depleted and there's going to come a time when you need to activate faith and you're not going to be able to activate that faith because you're too exhausted to pray, let alone operate in faith. So it's important for you to find that alone time. Jesus found the alone time. Jesus told the disciples, get in a boat, get away from this crowd, go to the other side. Jesus told the multitude, it's been fun, it's been great, it's been real. Now it's time for you to go home, go back to your family, go back to your job, go back to whatever you need to do and carry what was deposited inside of you with you and become an evangelist or witness of the good things that happened to you that day. So we see that that's important. To, to be alone. We've got to have that alone time in our life. Now, before we talk too much about that now, let me just kind of say this. There comes a time when you can't stay away forever. Because I'll tell you what, I like it when the Lord draws me away. I like being alone. I like going and, and, and saying, okay, I'm spending three days with the Lord. I'm not going to answer the phone. I'm not going to be getting on the internet. I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to spend three days with the Lord. I love that. I love spending time with that. Pastor Angelo goes and gets in his tent. I'm not interested in the bugs. I'm not interested in, in some, some, I don't know, squirrel running inside the tent while I'm trying to sleep. I'm not interested in all of that kind of stuff. Uh, he can get in the tent. I'm going to the Courtyard Marriott for three days. That's that's where I'm going to go. If I want something to eat, I'm going to go down to the restaurant and I'm going to order me something to eat. He can go shoot something if he wants to and cook it over the fire. Any point is, just get alone. Whatever works for you, just get alone. But there comes a time when you got to come back out of the tent. There comes a time when you have to exit that motel room. There comes a time when you have to say, you know what, it's time for me to get back in the game. Because when you get in the presence of God and you're alone in the presence of God, you'll find out, I'd like to just live here for the rest of my life. I mean, there's something about the presence of God that is so attractive, it just makes you want to stay there for the rest of your life. But let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. God builds you up so you can go empty yourself out to other people. And in the midst of coming out of that alone place and not being able to stay away forever, in the midst of getting away from that quiet place and returning to our God-given assignments, when we start branching out and we start fulfilling those, those assignments, it's very common to see storm clouds start to gather. Listen very closely. I'm going to teach you a thing or two here that the Lord taught me this week, all right? This ship 
the Bible said, was in the midst of the sea. The storm had come up. The storm clouds had gathered. You can't tell me that Peter, James, and John, which were all fishermen, didn't look at the sky every now and then and say, wait a minute, because they were fishermen. Now, there might have been some like tax collectors and different people that were disciples that were in that boat, and, that, and Peter, James, and John's pointing at the clouds, and, and, and these tax collectors and stuff are saying, what? And they're saying, that's storm clouds right there. Yeah, but Jesus told us to get in this boat and go to the other side, so that's what we need to do. Yeah, but we're going to get hit with the storm. Let me tell you something. It's very common when you start trusting God, when you start believing God for storm clouds to gather. In fact, and we'll see it here in just a few moments, it's very common for a full-fledged storm to hit. That happens at times. Well, the Bible said they were in the middle of the sea, which lets me know that they were in the middle of their obedience. In the middle of your obedience, sometimes storm clouds gather. How many times have you ever heard someone say, well, if this was really the will of God, then it wouldn't be this hard? Nonsense. Tell that to the martyrs. Tell that to the disciples who all gave their life for the gospel. Tell that to Christians who today on the other side of the world are given their lives in prisons, in nasty prisons, because they baptized someone in water in the name of Jesus or in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Tell that to people like that. Let me tell you something. There are people that will tell you, well, if it's God, it'll be easy. It won't be hard. Those type of people are about that deep spiritually. That is not true. The battle is proof that you're on track. Because the enemy's not going to fight something he's not afraid of. The enemy was trying to get those disciples from going to the other side of the sea. The reason was because on the other side of the sea, there could be a repeat of what happened on this side of the sea. And so the enemy was gathering storm clouds together. And then the Bible said that the winds were contrary. Look at your neighbor right now and say, sometimes you have to fight through the contrary. The winds were contrary. What does that mean? When we talk about contrary, what are we talking about? Well, we're talking about contrary circumstances, right? Talking about maybe contrary finances. Talking about contrary relationships. Talking about contrary people. You know, armchair prophets that'll look at you and say the next day you should have done this and you should have done that. No, 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 no. Sometimes there are contrary winds that begin to blow. The Bible said that they were there and the winds were contrary. What does that mean? That means that the winds were fighting against them and the winds were blowing against them. Jesus told them go this way and the winds were blowing this way. Just because there's contrary winds, it doesn't mean that you've missed God. 
Just because there's contrary winds, it doesn't mean that you need to turn around and wait for another, another go at it when things calm down just a little bit. No, you're in the midst of your obedience. You're in the midst of trusting God. You're operating on a, a, a word from God. You're operating on that. And so even though the winds are contrary, you still keep pressing on because your hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. That's where your hope is built. So I'm going to trust God and I'm going to believe God and I'm going to stay in obedience and I'm going to stay in faith. I told you I'm ready to preach this morning. I'm going to stay in obedience and I'm going to stay in faith. So devil, throw everything you can against me because my love for God is greater than my fear of you. Amen. So when we faithfully continue operating God's plan for our life, then we are setting ourselves up for expanded revelations of who God is. Well, what does that mean, Pastor? Well, the Bible said that in the fourth watch of the night, which was from 3 o'clock till 6 o'clock in the morning, in the darkest part of the night, the Bible says that on top of the storm, on top of the fear that they had, on top of all of this, then they look up and the Bible said that they thought they saw a spirit walking on the water. Well, Jesus said, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. So he identified himself. Let me tell you something, there's a truth to be learned here. In the darkest part of your night, in the darkest part of the battle, in the midst of the storm, it, the, during those times, uh, we're not very God conscious, are we? There wasn't a whole lot of discernment going on inside of that boat. Because if there was discernment going on inside of that boat, they would have recognized Jesus. But there wasn't a lot of discernment. Why? Because their eyes were on the circumstance. Their eyes were on the storm. Their eyes were on survival. And the Bible said they were afraid. Fear is the parent to doubt. And you've got to starve your fear to death. Feed your faith and starve your fear to death. Starve your doubts to death. So Jesus looks up at them and he says, Be not afraid. Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And this lets me know, and it is a great point that we just can't go past right here. Sometimes God shows up in the most unusual places of our lives. The last thing in the world that those disciples was expecting to see was Jesus walking on the water in the middle of that storm toward their boat. Let me tell you, right about the time that you feel like you're battling alone, right about the time that you feel like it's all over, right about the time you say, well, it's not over till the fat lady sings and the fat lady's already, she's already warmed up and she's already up there in them high notes and getting ready to come back down and bring it in for a landing and the devil's whispering in your ear and he's saying it's over, you're going to sink to the bottom of this sea. If we can open our spiritual eyes, we'll see a man that's walking on the water in our direction and he's going to say to us, be of good cheer, it is I be not afraid. In the midst of your battle, in the midst of your storm, in the midst of your trouble, in the midst of your trial, God is always there if we could just open our eyes and look around and see Him. Hallelujah. All right, I feel Pentecostal today. That's, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. They experience fear because of the untimely appearance of Jesus. Now, why did Jesus say to them, why didn't he just say, hey, 
It's me. Chill. Why did he say be of good cheer? Because joy drives out fear. Joy brings strength. What he was telling them was be of good cheer. Laugh a little. Come on. It ain't nothing but a battle. It's nothing but a storm. All it is is waves. It's thunder. It's lightning. It's wind. It's waves. But I'm here. Cheer up. Cheer up. The enemy will get you looking at the, at, at the wind and the waves and hearing the thunder and the lightning and all of that. And he'll play all these scenarios out in your mind about how, you know, you're not going to make it. You're going to be fish food. That's what the enemy will want you to think. All right. But what the enemy's not banking on is you're operating on a word from God. He said, go to the other side. So I'm going to the other side and not going in pieces. I'm going to the other side. And Jesus said, be of good cheer. It is I, be not afraid. So what's Peter say? Peter says this. He said, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come to you on the water. I asked him in the first service. I'm going to ask you, who thinks like that? Who would think like that? You say you're Jesus? Well, you're walking on the water. There's waves, there's thunder, there's lightning, there's wind. There's a bunch of fear here. You say you're Jesus? Tell me to jump out of this boat and walk toward. Who thinks like that? Peter. Do we have any Peters in the house? We got any Peters here? Lord, let me walk on the water. Lord, I want to walk on the water. I'm like, Lord, freeze it, and I'll walk on it. Okay, freeze it, you know. <laughs> Used to drive on it in Canada when I was going up to them Indians. Hallelujah. Peter said, Lord, if it, bid you, if it be you, bid me to come unto you on the water. And Jesus said, come. You know what he was telling him? Get overboard. He was telling him, come to the water. He's telling him to get out of the boat. You know what Jesus could have looked at him? He could have looked at him and said, well, jump. Get froggy with it. Come on, jump. Jump. Look at your neighbor and say, sometimes you just need to jump like a bullfrog. Jump, 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 just jump. Sometimes we need to jump into our destiny. Sometimes we need to jump into our obedience. Sometimes we need to let faith jump us. Listen, listen. what was it that made Peter jump out of that boat? He had legs of faith. That's what it was. He knew that was Jesus. He knew it was Jesus. He said, if it be you, but he knew it was Jesus because once Jesus got his attention, he identified him as the Son of God. And so Peter jumps out of the boat. And let, let me tell you something. He didn't do what that guy on Titanic did. He didn't run forward and get to the battleship and go, whoa. No, Peter just kept going. He just jumped right on out there. And the Bible said that he got out there and he was walking toward Jesus. And what was going on in this boat behind him? All them people's like, oh, Peter walking on. Come on, man. Wow. I mean, Peter. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, Peter. Peter by big-mouthed Peter. Peter. You know, I can't believe God would use Peter. Peter got in fights in school when he was growing up. You know, Peter's always had a big mouth. He's always got himself in trouble. He's never known how to conduct himself in a crowd. Big, rough Peter. And Jesus is letting him walk on the water. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, you know why? Because all of those that were back in the boat didn't have the faith to jump out of that boat. In fact, they probably never thought of jumping. If I'd have been there, I'd have said, Peter, can I jump on your back? Give me a ride. This is way off track, but somebody looked at me one day and they said, the devil's been on my back all day long. I don't know what in the world to do about it. I said, take the saddle off. <laughs> yeah, take the saddle off. Devil been on your back? Take the saddle off. Quit letting him ride around. Free ride? Uh-uh. So anyways, they're there, they're, I told you that was way off track. So anyways, so he's going to Jesus. And notice something. This is so key. This is so key. When the Lord was just opening this up to me these last couple of days, I was like, and I've read over this over and over and over. Jesus did not say, well, okay, but let me calm the sea first. Listen, those waves were still billowing. The wind was still blowing. The thunder was still rolling. The lightning was still flashing. There were still screams of fear in the boat behind them. They were still trying to lighten the ship. They were trying to man the mask. And, and here Peter is, and he's walking to Jesus, and there's waves, and there's wind, and there's thunder, and there's lightning. Jesus didn't say, well, let me calm the sea, and then you can come to me. Jesus just said, come. And Peter jumped out of that boat in the middle of that storm. Sometimes you just have to take a risk and operate your faith while the storm is raging. In fact, that's the best place to operate your faith. Peter started looking around and the Bible said that he saw the winds that they were boisterous and he became afraid. And listen to the wording here. The Bible said, and beginning to sink, he cried, Lord, save me. Somebody say beginning. That dude did not sink. He just began to sink. Beginning to sink, he had enough sense to cry out and say, Lord, save me. And the Bible said that Jesus stretched his hand toward Peter's direction. There's no place in the Bible that says Jesus carried Peter back to the boat. I don't think he did. I think Peter got his eyes back on Jesus and was able to walk with Jesus back to the boat. Now, I want you to look, notice something very clear here. The Bible said that it wasn't until they got back in the boat that the storm ceased and there was a great calm. During this entire episode, during this entire exercise, during all of it, the wind was still raging, the, the, the waves were still billowing, the thunder was still rolling, the lightning was still flashing, and it looked like death all around them except for that one light that was walking on the water, and that light brought life. And so here they were. They're walking back and the winds are beating and all this kind of stuff. And Jesus and Peter gets back inside of that boat. And all of a sudden there's a great calm. And the Bible said every single person that was in that boat came and knelt down at the feet of Jesus and began to worship him. Now, there's no wrong time to worship God. I don't see anything in this scripture where it says, Charles got on the piano and started playing, and Tony or Nikki got in the drum booth, and Susie and Shauna and Sam got up here and started to sing, and whenever 
Mark plays there and every now and then a guitar player. I don't see any place in Scripture where it says they had to get the worship team together, start worshiping, and get the atmosphere just perfect so God could calm the storm. See, in American culture, we have programmed ourselves to business church. Come on, I'm preaching where we live in. We think that we have to come to church and we have to get the atmosphere just right through worship so God can move. In this particular instance, God moved before the worship began. See? Well, we'll worship and then we'll have miracles. There was a miracle and that precipitated worship. That came before worship. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm trying to tell you that you don't have to have music playing in the background for you to get your miracle. You don't have to have a full worship team on deck in order for God to start moving. All you have to do is walk by faith. Your miracle... Your miracle is not coming because you know how to sing and you know how to worship. Your miracle is not coming on the back of your worship. Your miracle is coming on the back of your faith. Amen. Faith, faith moves the hand of God. This is hard for some people to hear, but I've studied it frontwards and backwards and all around. It's, God does not respond to need nearly as much as He responds to faith. So I'm going to trust God, and I'm going to believe God. Even when the storm is raging, I'm still going to believe God. Even when the wind is blowing, I'm still going to trust God. Even when the thunder is rolling and the lightning is flashing, I'm still going to trust God. If hail comes out of heaven because of the storm, I'm still going to trust God. I can walk on the water while the storm is raging because I'm hooked up to the man who made the water. I'm hooked up. Jesus is with us. He's with you. He's with me. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. It's important for us to understand that we can go overboard in our faith and in the process of going overboard, that doesn't mean the battle's going to end, but it means you're going to win. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So sometimes you just got to get out of the boat. Sometimes you just got to jump. You got to go overboard with your faith. It's important to do that. You ever had that sinking feeling? You know, Peter started to sink. You ever had that sinking feeling? (laughs) Well, beginning to sink, just cry out to Jesus. It's that simple. Now, the last point that I want to make here today before we bring this in for a landing is that the disciples and Jesus were on their way to their next ministry assignment. And they got hit with a storm. The devil will do everything in his power to stop you from advancing forward. I've had a lot of people in my family and out of my family that has looked at me through the years 
and they have said these words almost verbatim. They have said, I have never seen anyone in my life who has been fought so hard and so long and so viciously to just stay in ministry as you have, Jonathan, and your family. How do you make it? I don't focus on the battle. I don't pay attention to the storm. Stuff that used to be really big to me years ago. They were laughing at me at my last church because they'd come to me, you know what sister so-and-so said? You know what brother so-and-so got? I'd say, that ain't nothing but a thing. Nothing but a thing. Then they'd start laughing at me. And, they'd, and, and it got to the point where they would come to me and they would say stuff about this. And you know what they're out there saying? And, and oh yeah, I know, pastor. It ain't nothing but a thing. That's what they would say. Listen, bigger levels, bigger devils, bigger battles, bigger victories. I talked to Mark the other day. I'm going to out him a little bit. But I talked to Mark the other day and he was a little bit upset because there was a person or two that had said something against him. I told him, I said, you're going to cave over, over one or two people talking bad about you? I said, what are you going to do when you're pl playing for thousands? I said, there's not going to be one or two people going to be after you then. I said, it's going to be whole groups of people. I said, they're going to be trying to smear you, trying to stop you. Listen, anytime you start moving for God, anytime you start doing things for God, there's always going to be that element that's going to constantly try to smear you. They're always going to try to stop you. They're always going to try to catch you in the middle of your obedience and sink your ship. But what you need to understand is I'm on assignment. There's people on the other side of this sea that need what God deposited inside of me. You've got to get that. You've got to remember that. On the other side of your battle, there's another harvest. And there's another battle on the other side of that harvest, but on the other side of that battle, there's still another harvest. There are people who need what God has deposited inside of you. And don't let something like a storm stop you. Yes. Hallelujah. Now, we can't put God in a box, can we? We can't put Him in a box. Right now is a good time to worship God. Right now. In this moment, right now. Well, there's no music going, I don't care. Well, there's no singers singing, so what? You can worship God. <laughs> You can worship Him in the morning. You can worship Him in the afternoon. You can worship Him at night. It's a great time to worship God. And then the Bible said when they, got to, when they finally did get to the other side of the sea, to Gennesaret, the Bible said to Gennesaret, Gen is how you say it, when they finally got there, the Bible said that word that Jesus was in town went, and the Bible said that all of the men of that community brought all of the sick people to Jesus now listen to this very closely. They brought all the sick people to Jesus, and you know what they were saying? If we can touch but the hem of His garment, we know we'll be made whole. Do you remember another place in Scripture where the Bible said the woman with the issue of blood was pressing through the crowd, and she said, if I may but touch the hem of His garment, I know I shall be made. You know that place in Scripture? Remember that? There's a message here in the hem of the garment of Jesus. The hem of the Jewish garment is a symbol of the never-ending covenant that is established because of the shed blood of the sacrificed lamb. They were saying, if I can but touch the hem of his garment, I know that I will be made whole. The devil tried to sink the ship 
So all of those, and the Bible said everyone that came to Jesus was healed. The devil tried to prevent them from getting their miracle by sinking the ship of Jesus' ministry team. But Jesus said, ain't happening on my watch because this ain't nothing but a storm. You get that? To some of you all, I don't know how I can keep going on. It's just a storm, honey. It's just a storm. You know the thing about storms? They, is they squall and they bawl and they make all kinds of racket and they make all kinds of noise and then they blow out and the sun shines again. And the waves calm and the sea becomes still. And something much more powerful than that storm. Something much more powerful than that storm begins to rule the day again, and that's peace. Nothing missing and nothing broken. It's just a storm. Just a storm. We've weathered a few storms. don't want to embarrass you or anything but I remember one time when I had to go pick my brother up ain't nothing but nasty mouths they didn't make you they can't break you God called you God anointed you look what God's doing with him now You know, you, know, you know how I knew to do that? Because there were times when I've had to be picked up. There were times when people's come to me and said, what are you doing in that milk truck? God called you to preach the gospel. What are you doing spending 14, 16 hours a day taking jugs of milk and just putting it up there on the shelf so people can come along and grab it so you can put another. That's not what I called you to do. I, God got a hold of me that day in that milk truck. He said, I didn't call you to be a milkman. I called you to, to share the bread of life. I called you to preach my gospel, to preach the word. And I pulled that milk truck over to the side of the road that day and I had a conversation with the devil. I told him, I said, you will not sideline. Some of you need to have that conversation with the devil right now. You need to tell him this morning, you're not going to sideline me, devil. I'm walking with a call. I'm going to live in obedience. I'm not going to be put on the shelf so somebody can come along someday and polish me and say, look at my trophy. That's not going to happen. No, 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 no. If they take me, they're not going to have some shiny trophy. They get me, they're going to find a battle-scarred veteran of the cross of Jesus Christ. You know why? Because I'm not interested in setting up in some big old house somewhere and calling the shots. I want to be in the thick of the battle. Hallelujah. So let the winds blow. Let the storm rage high. Let the thunder roll. Let the lightning flash. And let the waves come from the bottom of the sea to try to overtake my boat. I know where my hookup is. Hallelujah. And it ain't nothing but a storm. It ain't nothing but a storm.
Let's all stand. Come on. Look at your neighbor and say, you're going to live again. Tell them. Say, you're going to live again. Some of y'all need to dream again. You need to listen. Don't let doubt downsize your faith. The Lord gave me that last night late, and I went on... I went on and I made this slide real quick to just throw on the back end of it and I had to like send it to them as a revised thing. The Lord gave me that. Don't let doubt downsize your faith. Look at your neighbor right now and say, don't let doubt downsize your faith. That's a word for you today. That's a word for someone today. Do you feel encouraged? Yes. It ain't nothing but a storm. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 Thank you for listening to Dr. Jonathan Vorse on Working the Word. We appreciate your love and support. Visit www.jvorse.org to give a gift today. Don't forget to subscribe and enjoy the rest of your day. Always remember, the Word will work if you work the Word. Be blessed.